The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. We're going to talk today about uh, Valentine's dreams. And uh, I'm not so really inclined to preach uh, uh, every message every time there's a theme that comes out. Like, I don't always preach uh, about on July the 4th. I don't always preach a themed message or Labor Day or even sometimes Christmas or uh, Thanksgiving. But uh, Tuesday is Valentine's Day. Guys, if you didn't know that, that's Tuesday. And uh, love is in the air. You know, during the spring, a lot of couples get married during the spring or a lot of couples around the Valentine's Day. And uh, they say, I do, like we always have. But unlike years gone by, uh, there are few, if any, left that uh, shower the uh, the couple with rice as everyone leaves. You know that was the <coughs> that used to be the thing, and uh, by the mid nineties, it was a common knowledge that uncooked rice would uh, kill unsuspecting birds. In other words, the rice would swell up in their stomachs, and it caused them to burst, and they'd have a tragic death. So the tradition of rice, which which was a superstition about uh, fostering fertility, that's where it started, a a superstition, uh, was abandoned, and then there was all kinds of alternatives like bird seeds or confetti or bubbles and all of those different things. Ironically, there's no truth in the fact that birds eat bird seed and blow up. That's a myth, (laughs) And uh, there's a lady, Mayoko Chu, who was at the Cornell University. She's a bird expert, and she uh, has done studies, and she says there's no, there's no documented cases of birds dying as a result of eating rice. She says, as a matter of fact, house sparrows, black-winged blackbirds, bobo lynx, they all eat rice in the wild. So that... Uh, weddings and marriages and all have a lot of myths and different things, something borrowed, something blue, or something old and something new. I don't know how it goes, whatever it is. And and all of these ideals, uh, not seeing you on your uh, in the wedding gown on the wedding day and all of those myths. And if the whole country can be duped by misif- misinformation about rice, uh, how much more do... Uh, are people confounded about the ideal of marriage and the ideal that uh, if a couple is really in love and they uh, are madly in love, they get married and it's a fairy tale and it's happy ever after and there's no arguing, there's no fighting. Uh, let's face it, if they're madly in love, it's going to be a perfect marriage, right? Some of you laugh. Some of you didn't laugh. Uh, if you've been married, if you're married now, you know that that's really not the case, and you may already be thinking, that's only in your dreams. And it's true, and that's why we're talking about Valentine dreams today. And uh, Alicia thought she had the perfect fiancé, she was getting to know him, his name was Michael and his family, and she was so impressed how much his parents loved each other. excuse me, they were so thoughtful, Alicia said, why your dad even brings your mom a cup of coffee in the bed every morning. 
Time after time, she would see this, and finally, Alicia and Michael were engaged. They were then married, and on the way from the wedding to the reception, Alicia again remarked to Michael on his loving parents, and as as his mom uh, was there in bed, and his dad would bring coffee every morning to her, and she said, tell me, does this run in your family? And he says, it sure does, but you should know I take after my mom. (laughs) So that may take you a minute, Uh, but when the honeymoon's over and the weeks turn into months and the months turn into years and uh, what once burned as a passion may flicker more as uh, a weak flame, and the question is, what happened? What happened along the way? Where where has that love gone that you once had, Uh, and many wish they could make their their fire hotter and... uh, like it was at first, but Valentine's dreams, they're still here. We had a Valentine's party last night, and we played a little game there that kind of uh, helped us remember where the flame was and where the flame is. And uh, on the average, ladies done a little better than men, uh, but nobody was perfect. Did anybody, was anybody perfect last night? I mean, Jared missed all of his. He was perfect on the wrong side. But uh, I don't think anybody remembered everything about their... uh, Curtis, I think Curtis did the best of all of us uh, with his remembering things from the past. But uh, (coughs) what happened... (coughs) Excuse me. And uh, a woman woke up and told her husband, "I I had a dream that you gave me a pearl necklace for Valentine's Day. What do you think it means? He said, well, you'll know tonight. That evening came, and the man came home with a small package, gave it to his wife. Delighted, she opened it up, and she found a book titled The Meaning of Dreams. (laughs) Uh, You know, today, sadly, uh, Valentine's dreams sometimes turn into nightmares. Sometimes they... Uh, they turned into things worse, and uh, that evening a, a man came home and, and with that package, and there was an ideal, a dream that was going to take place, and of course it didn't. Listen to this statistic. George Barna, you know, he's a statistician, and he reports that baby boomers, which that's a lot of us in this room, there's a lot of you are not into that category, but he says this, is, this will uh, virtually be the first generation to which the majority of people experience a divorce. So in the baby boomers, the first generation that, that that's ever happened, that, that the majority of baby boomers have experienced some type of divorce, if you would turn to Philippians chapter 2, Philippians chapter 2, but in each of us there's an inherent desire, there's a, a desire built into us really to be loved, and to love. That's, that's in nearly every person. We want to be loved and we want to love. So the question is, what can be done to make our Valentine's dreams come true? How can you and I re- rekindle that flame or that fire that, that's in our marriage that we experienced uh, at the very first? And I believe the Bible provides uh, great examples and, and all the answers we need. And Scripture is full of these rich uh, ideals and responses to to rekindling those Valentine's dreams. And I don't think there's probably a better place to find it than in Philippians. 
and in his letter to the, the church at Philippi. Now, this is to a church, but it's, it's really a, a letter of love written by Paul to this church. And inside this church, this congregation, <coughs> they were struggling in the area, uh, the area, area of unity. And, you know, in marriage, I think these, these principles work great for marriage. Uh, there was two people there, Euodiah and Cynthia, and I looked those names up, and they were two women, and they were in this church, and they were, uh, they were leaders in this church, they were ministers in this church, but there was a, there was fic, uh, a bickering, and there was friction in between. These and, and because of that friction and because of the, the, the bickering that was going on, there was the unity was being torn apart. So each of these things, I have five principles this morning. In each of these things, they're written to a church, to a couple. They weren't a couple as, uh, as uh, outside of the church, but as a, a staff, he was writing to two people. And he was saying, how can you rekindle or rebuild the unity uh, that you have in this church. So when we think about these things, these fit right along with a with a couple, a married couple, or if you're dating, these are great things that'll help you along to strengthen your relationship with one another. And that's really what Paul's doing. He's encouraging them to strengthen their relationship with one another. Now, this is the thing about this message today for me and for you. And ladies, don't take notes and give them to your husband. And husbands, don't take notes and give them to your wives. Husbands and wives, take notes and give them to yourself. Because it's not going to do any good if we say, yeah, that person needs to be doing this. So here's principle number one. (coughs) And this is how to rekindle Valentine dreams. The principle number one is encourage one another. Now, these are not my ideals. These are what Paul had as he's talking about, uh, about that unity and that relationship with two people. He says we need to encourage one another. Philippians chapter 2, starting at verse 1, and we're not going to read this whole passage, but I would encourage you, even right now, to read 1 through 11, because it's a a great uh, passage of Scripture that deals with unity between people. So the first thing is encourage one another. Philippians 2, verse 1 says, If any of you have any encouragement... From being united with Christ. When I was, when, I want to ask you to think about this. When was the last time you or I praised our spouse with encouraging words? When's the last time that happened? And I, I don't, of course, I don't want you to answer. <coughs> but someone said, uh, man does not live by bread alone, he also needs buttering up a little. Well, that's true in a relationship. And we could say women don't live by bread alone, but they also need buttering up a little. And, and when's the last time we encouraged our spouse? All that's true. Life's difficult enough without having uh, no encouragement at home, without having things put on our back and, and having to carry them around to come home and get a little boost every day. For you to rekindle those Valentine dreams, we need to encourage one another. George Adams rightly commented, he says, there are high spots in all of our lives and most of them come through encouragement from someone else. I don't care how great, how famous, or how successful a man or woman may be, each hungers for applause. <coughs> There's no doubt you've probably all heard of Jimmy Stewart, the actor. Uh, he stayed 
young until the day he died, they say, at the age of 89. And although he was extraordinarily talented, he was a, a famous actor, uh, he remembered uh, or he remained in touch with his fans. And, and here's the story talk uh, that he told. He says, one time a, a stranger put his hand in mine and said, Mr. Stewart, I don't guess this means much to you, but I want you to know I think you're wonderful. He said he took the man's hand, he shook it, held it tightly, looked him in the eye and said, that means everything to me. I mean, a, a, a person, how famous, how, how wealthy, how, how well-known, how well-liked, everyone needs a little encouragement. So I want to encourage you to, to rekindle those fires, and, and in order to rekindle those fires, start out by encouraging one another. The power of encouragement. Uh, uh, Stephen Glenn, he says, I understand the power of encouragement, and he looks for ways to praise one another. says, Stephen was at his grandson's t-ball game. Dad's listen to this. I'll admit I failed in this area. If you watched me coach back then, you will admit it too, won't you, Debbie? <laughs> or Cade, won't you, Cade? <laughs> she gave an amen there. <coughs> he said Stephen uh, was his grandson, his t-ball game, and a little boy came up to the plate. He swatted the ball off the tee and ran fast as he could to third base. The coach went up to the little boy and said, Boy, you sure hit that ball a long way. The little boy responded, I did. Yeah, and you really ran fast to third base. And you surprised the heck out of everybody. And he said, I did. He said, yes, you did. I have one question before you come to the dugout to watch the rest of the inning. The coach said to the boy, when you made the decision to run to third base instead of first, what was you thinking of? And the little boy replied, well, every time somebody runs to first, they get put out. The coach took the boy in the dugout and talked to him and said, last time you made the choice of running to third base instead of first, you surprised everybody, but you made it. But you didn't get a chance to score. Now you've got the same choice again. You can choose to run to third, and you can probably make it okay, but you won't get to score. Or you can take the risk of running to first base. You may get put out, but you may get there, and you may have a chance to score. But whatever you decide, I'll be right there with you. You know, that's encouragement, isn't it? Especially at T-balls. Now, if you're a senior in high school, you probably don't run third, Mitch. <laughs> I don't know if Ronnie will give you that kind of encouragement. Would you? <laughs> probably not. Uh, but, you know, for children, that's great. That's encouragement. We all need some kind of encouragement and. Uh, I've never heard of anybody saying, well, uh, I praised him too much. We all need uh, encouragement, and, and the more the better. We've got to move on. Here's the second principle. We need to comfort one another. Philippians, again, 2.1. If you have any encouragement, being united with Christ, and if any comfort from his love. Because of the, the comfort from Jesus' love, we should comfort one another. And the, the same way applies to any relationship. Any comfort you or I give in Christ, will grow our affection towards one another. So we, we are able to give, we're able to give comfort to others. 
You've heard stories, and we all could probably come up with illustrations about comforts in relationships. I read about this couple. This is a true story. Her name was Mary Brown. She had cancer for two years and was in the hospital. That's nearly unheard of. But she spent two years in the hospital, in some kind of assisted hospital. But six days a week, her husband drove a truck 10 to 12 hours a day. Every evening, he would drive home from his work. He worked in East St. Louis in Grant Fork. He would clean up. Then he would drive to St. John's Mercy Hospital uh, in Creve Corey, wherever that is. It was 60 miles away to be with Mary. At night, he'd sleep in the waiting room or maybe in his truck. He couldn't sleep in a room with her. He did that every day, seven days a week. He'd get up before daylight. He'd go drive a truck 10 to 12 hours go spend the night, Sundays he would spend the day. Now that's comfort in action. That's something we can understand, something we can see. That's that's bringing comfort in action. Mary Ann Evans, does anybody know who that is? She was a, a British novelist, better known for her pen name, George Eliot. And you've probably heard George Eliot, but it was, a, it was actually a lady and... She discovered that comfort. She said at the age of 17, or it was told at the age of 17, after the death of her mother and the marriage of her elder sister, she was called home to care for her fathers. And in those were, in those days uh, uh, of constant care, she discovered what comfort really means. This is what she said, and I want you to think about this in the terms of your relationship with your spouse. Oh, the inexpressible comfort of feeling safe with a person, having neither to weigh our thoughts or measure our words, but to be able to pour them all out just as they are, chaff and grain together, knowing that a faithful hand will take it and sift them, keep what's worth keeping, and then, with the breath of kindness, blow away the rest." You know, in those days that uh, they had the, the grain threshing floors and the grain would be brought in and there would be chaff and there would be grain and, and what they would do there is they would take there in the winnowing fork and they would throw the grain up in the air and the wind would blow the chaff out of it and then the grain would fall back to the ground and that's how they, they cleaned that during that time. And, and the words here of George Eliot that, that all that we could say our words and and not worry about them, and, and just pour out what's in our heart. And then that person would hear those words, and they would throw up and throw up those things and, and blow away the chaff and, and only keep that which is, which is valuable, which is, is great for them. I like those words, and that's, that's the word of comfort, and that's where to comfort one another. Here's the third thing. Valentine's dreams, they can come true if we, if we comfort one another. But third... This is a big one, spending time together. Philippians 2.1, if you have any encouragement, we've talked about. If you've had any comfort, we've talked about. If you have fellowship in the Spirit, if any, any tenderness and compassion, which we're going to get to that next one, tenderness and compassion, but fellowship with the Spirit. Uh, Paul is talking here to the Philippians, and he's experienced fellowship with them through the Spirit of Christ. And we as husbands and wife, we, we should have fellowship. And, and the, the, the root of our fellowship is, is rooted in Christ and our relationship with Him. 
And the Spirit helps us in areas that we don't fit together very well. You ever heard that term, opposites attract? Do y'all think that's true? I think it's true to a certain extent. Are y'all with me this morning? Are y'all ready to go home? You're pretty quiet this morning. I'm just kind of getting a lot of stares about I wish I had stayed home today. But uh, believers cope with one another in their weaknesses. Now, we didn't ask this question at our fellowship last night, but we could have said, what are your spouse's weaknesses? And we'd all be fighting today, wouldn't we? Everybody would be mad and half of us wouldn't be here. But believers, we cope with one another's weaknesses. We deal with one another's weaknesses. That's, that's true in our relationship with one another. And listen to what Romans eight twenty six says. It says the Spirit helps us with our weaknesses. So if the Spirit's taking care of our weaknesses between the couples, what's left for us? According to Paul, there's one thing. That's fellowship. Fellowship together. And, and we all need to spend time together. Even though we have our quirks and we have our differences and we have things that, that we don't get along in certain areas, we need to go ahead and spend time together and allow the Spirit to help us in those areas. And, and time is the most important thing, and fellowship involves time. If you want to come to a fellowship at church, what does it cost you? Usually it don't cost you anything monetarily. It costs you time. And because we have time, and time is so valuable, sometimes we choose to spend time elsewhere. That's okay, but in our relationships, we need to be sure that we have some time spent together. I had some great advice one time. From a man, Denise and I had not been married long. He was an older type man. I, he wasn't old, but uh, we were in our 20, early 20s, and he was probably uh, in his mid-50s, and that's where I am, so I could say he was older. And uh, he said, I want to tell you all this, never quit dating after you have kids because your kids are going to grow up and leave you. And if you spend your whole life from kids to the time they leave, you're going to look at a stranger. And, and that is some great advice. He said, spend time together and remember who you are because when your kids leave, you're back with that same spouse and you're not going to know her. So spending time or you're not going to know him. It's kind of like a tornado that hit Kansas. This famous, uh, or this farmhouse was there and before dawn, a, a tornado came. It ripped the roof off the house. It uh, his farmer and his wife was in the bed sleeping. It, uh, some miraculous way, the tornado carried them and the bed into the next county, dropped them on the ground unharmed, and, and the wife was sobbing uncontrollably. Don't be scared, Martha. Her husband said, we're fine. We're not even hurt. And Martha cried and said, I'm not scared. Between sobs, she said, I'm happy. This is the first time we've been out together in 14 years. And, and we can laugh at that, but for some of us, it, it may be way too true. We've just forgot to spend time together and, and, and getting out alone and, and being together. And, and if we want to rekindle those Valentine's dreams, we need to spend some time together. Here's the fourth principle. Be tender and compassionate to one another. Now, I learned something on this, and I love when I'm reading Scripture and I go to studying something and I can learn something. I, I always learn something, but I learned what this term really means. And you're going to find it interesting, I hope. What is, 
tender and compassionate. Uh, the word literally refers to our insides. Now, the Jews saw our inner parts as the source of tender affections. So compassion was literally, they said, the movement of the intestines. <laughs> that don't sound very good, does it? <laughs> so let me re-term what they're saying. Compassion is the stirring inside of us. That's what they thought about that. So when we, we might not say that the movement of the intestines, that doesn't sound very romantic, does it? But if you see your high school or your teenage son or your teenage daughter and all of a sudden they're not eating and all of a sudden they're, uh, they're on the phone, they're doodling on their, their notebook covers if you have them anymore and, and uh, you say, what's wrong? Nothing. And all of a sudden you realize they're falling in love and what are they doing? They're stirring on the inside. I mean, it's just got their insides. Is their hall tore up? You know, uh, like Elvis said, I, I, I'm all shook up. You know, and and that's what the Jews understood tenderness and compassion was. Just you're just you're just stirred up inside. And think about our relationship. If if we had still, and, and I know you can't keep those fires burning, but but we're talking about how to reignite those those fires. If when you see your spouse. You're just all stirred up inside. Oh, I'm, I'm so happy to see. You know what? We kind of laugh at that, don't we? Because we say, well, that sounds funny. But, but when we share tenderness and compassion, we're stirring our insides up. And you know, if you stir an old fire enough, what happens? It'll flame up again. You can go over there and be an old pile of crusty coals and you can take a, a few leaves and, a, and a, a few twigs and you can start stirring that a little bit and stirring it a little bit and, and a little air begins to blow on it and things begin to, to, to fall into place and all of a sudden there's a fire burning again. And that's true with a relationship and that's what Paul's saying. When we share compassion, we share tenderness, it begins to stir us up inside. And something begins to happen. Now, as pretty as that was, I may destroy it all right here. Because I understand there's a husband shopping center now where women can go and they can choose from among men for, for their husband. And it's laid out in five floors. And with men increasing in position and attributes as you go up and ascend floor, and there's only one rule. Once you open the door on any floor... You must choose a man from that floor. So you get on floor one. If you open the door, then you have to choose from that floor. You can't go back down, but you choose from whatever floor. So a couple of girlfriends, and they went out to, to a place to find men. The first floor, the door had a sign that says, These men have jobs and love kids. The women read the sign and said, Well... That's better than not having a job and not loving kids, but I wonder what's on the next floor. So they went up. The second floor says, These men have high-paying jobs. They love kids, and they are extremely good-looking. Hmm, says the girl. I wonder what's further up. How many of you would go on up? Y'all ain't even going to answer. Do what? Do what? 
Yeah, okay. Third floor. These men have high-paying jobs, extremely good-looking, love kids, and help with the housework. Oh, amen. Listen to that testimony. That's good, isn't it? He said, that's my dad right there. (laughs) Wow, said the woman. That's very tempting, but let's move up farther. So the fourth floor, these men have high-paying jobs. They love kids. They're extremely good-looking. They help with the housework, and they have a romantic streak within them all the time. The girl said, Mercy, that just think about that. What would you do? They said, Let's go one more floor. So they got to the fifth floor, and the sign read, This door is to prove that women are impossible to please. (laughs) Now, if you didn't stop somewhere, you might have fit into that somewhere, you know. If you didn't say, well, I'd have stopped right there. But, But listen, being kind and being compassionate, uh, that stirs the insides. And if we want to build those Valentine's dreams, we need to be kind and compassionate. Here's the last thing, and we're about out of time. The fifth principle is have a good attitude. Look at Philippians 2.2. 2. Then make my joy complete. By being like-minded, having the same love, being in one spirit and one purpose. And Paul is talking about an attitude here. He, he urges the, the Philippian congregation to, to complete their joy by being like-minded, by being single-minded, by, by cultivating a single mind, by, by having a same love together. And, and not just love for one another, but love for the Lord himself. And Paul's saying, you know, for, for that unity and that relationship, we need to be like-minded and we, we need to love one another, but we need to, we need to love Christ. And, and I found that when we love Jesus first, I want you to think about this, when our relationship with Christ is right first, it becomes much easier for us to love those around us. Let me give you an example. Men, we haven't been to Promise Keepers in a long time, but we would go to Promise Keepers at one time. When we came back, our wives may say, well, boy, you're really acting different. You know, I, I can see that made a difference. Ladies, you, you may go to the IF conference or you may have a conference that you went together and you come home and your husband's saying, boy, I noticed a change in you. What happened? You got closer to the Lord. And when you got closer to the Lord through that, all of a sudden you're closer to those around you because when we love Christ first, And when he becomes our first priority, it makes us love those around us. So, you know, when we when we come to that point of having that right attitude and thinking about being in one man, being in one mind and and that one mind working together and having that one purpose, then that's how we rekindle those Valentine's dreams being being first, encouraging, comforting, spending time together being kind and compassionate, more than that, having the right attitude. I believe when we can line all those things up together and when we can put them into place, then all of a sudden we begin to rekindle those Valentine's dreams. Here's the thing. It doesn't matter if you're 16 years old and you're looking into a relationship or if you're 70 or 80 years old and you're still in that relationship. There's still Valentine's dreams, aren't there? 
there's still things that you would love to see and that you would love to have in a relationship. And Paul says, you know what? We can have all of those things. Two businessmen had a, had a significant encounter at the airport baggage claim area. One was a family man and the other was unmarried. And the single, the single traveler there, he, he watched with great curiosity as, as a man was engulfed with hugs and kisses from his family and his children. And they embraced and they smiled and, uh, as though the man had been gone for weeks. The salesman who was single there, he was taken back by, by their abundance of affection for this guy. And, and uh, he asked him, have y'all been separated for a long time? And the man said, indeed we have. I've been gone for two days. And, and the, the amazement of, of that strong-knit family. And, and uh, the, the, finally the businessman said, I sure hope I can have a family like that someday. And the other man said this, don't hope, my friend decide and you know what we decide every day how our relationship's going to be your spouse doesn't decide how you're going to respond does he you do and and whether you're a husband whether you're a wife you you decide every day how you're going to respond and you know what valentine dreams can come true it's totally up to you let's let's pray together this morning Father, Lord, I thank you for our time together this morning, Lord. I thank you that in your wisdom that you knew uh, what love is and you knew the, 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 the design for human beings and you placed within us a desire to love and to be loved. And Father, I just pray that you'd forgive us when we fail you in our relationship with the person you have created us to be with, husband and wife. That, Father, long before we were born, you saw that union. You knew that we'd be in this place this day. You knew that you had someone special created that makes us complete. And, Father, we know that when we fell in those areas, it's because we've decided and we've made decisions not to follow your plan and not to follow your design for a husband and wife. And, and Lord, I pray that we as husbands and wives would, would demonstrate the kind of love that you have for us so that our children might know or our grandchildren might know and see uh, what you have in store for us through, through your love. Father, I pray that we'd know the closer we come to you, the more and the easier it is to love others, Father. Lord, I pray today as we just look forward to this week, and we know it's a, a day coming this week that the, the world says, let's all uh, celebrate and spend a bunch of money, Lord. I pray that we'd know it's more about, uh, it's more about these things of encouraging and, and spending time together and, and being tender and being compassionate and, and, and loving our spouse as you have loved us. Father, I pray today that as you uh, lead us from this place that we would keep our minds upon you. I pray, Father, for those that... Uh, have lost loved ones and just have that memory of that great love that's gone by. I pray for those today that are that are searching and seeking for uh, someone that you've prepared for them. And whatever the past is, I pray that we'd be able to forget that and leave it behind and know that you're about creating new things. You have new beginnings. You have new plans, which you make known to us daily, Father. I pray that uh, just if we're in a time of waiting, Lord, that we would just... Uh, strengthen our relationship in you and know that you're directing our thoughts, you're directing our paths. I pray this morning, Father, that 
we would know our first priority, our first thing today is, is having that right relationship with you. And I pray, Father, either where we're at today or if we need to come forward today, that we would first mend our relationship with you and our righteousness with you. And then, Father, beyond that, uh, we would see you lurking and see you uh, leading us in our lives and relationships in our everyday affairs. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.